Wanna go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Anything better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. <laughs> and welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 113 of the Big Show. Some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another wacky Wednesday? Middle of the week? How's everybody doing? I'm actually uh, recording this on Tuesday. I took today off for no real reason. Just decided I have a bunch of holidays that I need to use. So I just took a random day, decided to make it today. It actually worked out pretty cool, though. I mean, my interview was done by, what, 10.30? Got some McDonald's breakfast today. Cleaned up a little bit. Even read a little bit of a book. Yeah. Just sort of enjoyable, a little better than uh, weighing and throwing away garbage and everything else, so I quite enjoyed myself. But, anyway, uh, today's guest is a returning guest. Um, Another one of my, uh, in the series, five toughest opponents. Actually, guys, you know what? I really enjoy uh, uh, doing these. It, um, you know, it's... um, you know, in, in some way, like I said, I've had returning guests on, and, and uh, I always enjoy talking to the guys again, and this is an opportunity to do that. And, um, you know, it's a pretty, I mean, I guess in some ways you're sort of regurgitating, chewing your food twice, whatever you want to say it. Um, you know, because, I mean, in, in, our lo- in my long um, interviews, long-form interviews with them, we probably talked about this, but maybe not as in-depth. We just sort of, you know, oh, he was tough and blah, 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 but... Um, sometimes the stories are the same, but at the same time, time has passed and, uh, you know, people forget. Plus, uh, you know, it, uh, always some new listeners. So, uh, you know, we'll, uh, for, you know, so yeah, so I guess, you know, sometimes the, uh, forgive the, uh, redundancy, but, um, but nonetheless, I enjoy doing these little series. Like I said, I enjoy talking to the guys again, and and the, you know, and it, and it's been cool to get them back on. I've had uh, what have we done with Riley Emerson, Graf, Mazer, um, uh, Sean McMorrow? What else have I done this series with? I no offense, uh, uh, Joey Tedarenko. Um, I should really go back and look at my stuff. <laughs> but um, today's guest, Adam Huxley. Bad dude, man. I had an opportunity to watch Mir and Saskatoon. Um, and yeah, he's, uh, it, it was interesting watching him. Uh, really, uh, oh, you know what? And I, as I'm about to say, I probably brought it up in the interview. So I, I've, sorry, I have so many interviews that I've done over the, over the last couple of years. Um, they all run together. I can remember stories and stuff. But I can't remember every interview specifically. But, um, 
Yeah, Adam Adam's definitely got kind of a Doty Wood vibe going when he fights with the duck under the arm thing because um, Doty Wood was the first guy I ever saw do that uh, on a regular basis, and, and Adam certainly employed that. Um, but yeah, real technician when he fought, a lot of fun to watch. Um, oh, Adam, I forgot to bring it up. Yeah, footage, man. I got to get that footage from you. We had talked about it. I want to see that. Um, but yeah, it was it's lots of fun talking, especially. To a guy like Adam, like I told him at the start of the show, I was like, you know, how many fights do you think you're in? He's like, you know, three, four hundred, right? So, you know, when you ask him to break down to just five, I mean, that's, that's, uh, you know, you're covering a lot of ground for sure. But, um, a lot of, uh, Adam's always a lot of fun to talk to, real thoughtful answers, and, um, yeah, it was great. So I'm, uh, really looking forward to, to, uh, you know, to, uh, bring this guy, bring this to you guys. Um, in terms of Adam's long, uh, long form interview, um, it was episode 51. I encourage you to go back and, and definitely check it out. We talked from his, uh, his Melford days in the SJHL to the Blades to Seattle to, um, you know, his years of pro and, and, uh, really interesting story. Like I said, playing in Vegas, um, sort of right when the, the whole UFC thing kind of took off and, and everything. So, and I know he's friends with the Diaz brothers and, um, yeah, and he tells we talks about some UFC stuff and and, and uh, you know a little you know how many guys do you have on that you know know the Diaz brothers and they're big into UFC and shit like that. So um, yeah, definitely uh, an interview to go back a, a, and check out. So and again, I'd like to thank Adam for uh, for for really doing this on short notice. And uh, I'm telling you guys, when you do two episodes a week, I've, I've said this. You know, I mean, I've said it a bunch of times on here, but man, that that Wednesday. Holy, you blink and it's here, you know, because I mean, really, it's six days and all of a sudden it's there again and it's like, oh man. So within six days, I got in, see, like right from now, in six days, I got to interview somebody. And, uh, you know, and you phone people and, and people are busy. Plus, you know, with the stuff that's going on in my life, I'm busy. And, uh, yeah, so it can sneak up on you pretty quick sometimes. So all of a sudden, you know, Monday comes and you're panicking, like, so all of a sudden I'm scrolling through my phone, like, holy shit, I need to do this. So, um, and it was really, and it was really great of Adam to reach out. Um, I know last uh, Friday, or was it Thursday? I I kind of re, I sort of reposted his uh, his uh, long form interview up on on social media. You know, Throwback Thursday, whatever, or Flashback Friday, whatever one I used. And I put I put Adam's interview up, and and Adam's really always been really good at promoting the stuff and and really helping me out in terms of advertising. So it's very much appreciated. And he had mentioned that. Um, yeah, man, anytime you want, I can come back on the show, which got me th- th- right away. I was like, well, I got to get him on for the five toughest opponents then. That'd be cool. So, uh, yeah, Adam saved my ass here. So thank you again, sir. But, uh, yeah, guys, uh, other than that, uh, like I said, I'm a member of the hockey podcast network, over 50 shows in the network. All the NHL teams are represented. Um, whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. Of course, the playoff, it, uh, you know, the, the playoff podcasts are really bumping right now. Of course, they got a they're throwing out content left, right, and center. You know, as as the series go on, and uh, so so they're busy. Um, you know, and then for the shows whose teams are eliminated, um, I guess you got the the draft preview and and stuff like that coming up, or or uh, re-signings or contracts or that type of thing. So always something to talk about. Um, also, for my off-network friends. Of course, Joel, Joel Lazito. Give me the Lazito! 
out in uh, Long Island. He does a New York Islanders-based enforcer podcast. Um, and Joe's had great guests on, Mick Fakota, Aaron Asham, Strudwig. Um, he also does something where he breaks down uh, an individual player's season. And uh, his latest one was Steve Webb. Uh, and it basically just, you know, covers right from preseason all the way to the end of the year. Goes over their fights and maybe some, some uh, you know, some... Uh, some little antidotes about them and, and little, uh, you know, things that came up during the season or what have you. So, um, really enjoy that series. Um, I guess that's Joe's series. Mine's the five toughest opponents. Um, I have mentioned a few times that I wouldn't mind stealing Joe's idea, um, for, and like break down a guy's season. Um, that might be interesting. I'm, I've, I've said it before. I'm just saying it out loud, but I had a few kind of ideas rushed through my head when I brought that up. So, yeah, maybe I'll do that. But yes, Joel, Joel good dude. Uh, buying, uh, buy his merch. That dude, he's putting his face on everything. You know, uh, hats, mugs, keychains, pens, shirts, leggings, rubber pucks, whatever. Whatever you can put your face on, Joe's face is on it. I don't know. If you want to get some pants and sit on Joe's face, eh, whatever you're into. I don't know. What are we saying? I don't know. I know somebody just ordered a t-shirt, though. My boy Jeff here in Saskatoon ordered a Jolton Joel Lazito t-shirt. Um, you know, I, you're probably safe in Saskatoon to wear it around. I would. I don't know about wearing it around New York. You might get some heat there. You know, go to a Ranger game and wear that shit see what happens. Hey, there's so- hey, there's a whole new series. Wear Lazito's gear at our New York Ranger game and film it. Well, they, we could do that episode. <laughs> That could definitely be be a part of a fight podcast, I would think. But, uh, no, Joe's a good dude. Definitely check out his show. Also, Dan, Paul, Kelly at the Obey the Puck show. And Fred and Dave at the Slewfoot show. Uh, some current shows. And they not, not only talk about the NHL, but the women's game, the minors. Uh, whatever, the, whatever the haps be in in the game, as the kids say, they're covering it. And like I said, I listen current shows. Surprisingly enough, as I always say, I listen to them so I don't have to watch and they keep me updated. But I will say, folks, speaking of watching, on Sunday, I was out at the farm, at the in-laws farm, and I sat through both those games, the Winnipeg-Montreal game and the Vegas, who the hell's Vegas playing? Colorado. Yeah, I sat through both those games, and uh, yeah, I will legitimately say I have no idea what the excitement is all about. That was two, that was about five hours of the most boring shit. Like, I don't know what, like I said, I don't watch hockey anymore. Like, I mean, if I go to people's houses and it's on whatever, but it's not on in my house. I don't watch. I legit don't watch. I don't just say that. I will say, I'm like some of these clowns on, on social media, I'm not the, I'm not, what do they call it? Fronting? Poser? I don't know. They talk like they don't, but you know they're watching shit. No, I legit don't watch. And the weekend, that confirmed why I don't watch. Like, even in a playoff game, what, what, a bunch of nothing. Oh my god, like, no one's mad, no one hit anybody, Reeves is back for Vegas, of course no one on Colorado challenges him. Who's that big stiff on defense that Colorado supposedly, oh he's tough. Oh, yeah. I don't think he even farted in Reeves' direction. No, not 5-1 or whatever it was. No one taught. Nobody did nothing. 
And like I saw somebody on Twitter go, oh, Reeves is so tough, why doesn't he do up Graves now? They're winning 7-1 or 5-1. What does Reeves need to do anything for? They're winning. I think the onus is on Colorado at that point, is it not? Learn how this shit works, man. But nothing. And Montreal and Winnipeg, eh. I will say, I, in my last episode, on episode 112, I brought up the Raves and Graves thing and the Shifley hit and all that. I will. I don't know if I brought this up in the last episode, but what is it? Who's the guy from Montreal that was flapping his lips in the media if Shifley comes back? Granderson? Gunderson? Whatever his name is. He's yapping that, oh, if he comes back, we'll make his life miserable, blah, 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 blah. You know, and everybody, oh, that's a threat. And blah, blah, blah. That dude was on the ice when Shifley hit him and he didn't do anything. Like, that was the most embarrassing thing of the whole, of the whole Shifley hit. Nobody dropped the glove. It's like, could you be more embarrassing? And then afterwards, you go to the media and start talking tough? While you were on the ice? What are we doing? Did, like, how does no one in the, holding a microphone say anything to that guy? Like, where were you? Like, are we serious? Oh, it's just... But yeah, Colorado and Vegas. Here's Vegas, the last two games just stomped you. You know, and there's Colorado. Just, they just take it. No one does nothing. It's like, oh. But yet, I watch, and I, but I go on social media and I'm scrolling and everybody's talking about how intense and this is just all, like edge of your seat excitement. And it's like, are, are you watching the same game I'm watching? Is there a different feed that comes into Saskatchewan? Because that's not what I was watching. Excitement. Like, I've seen the kids over here in the cul-de-sac play, play with more intensity road hockey than, than a friggin' Stanley Cup playoff game. Like, bunch of nothing. And I said, every scrum, it's headlocks and no one drops their gloves and everyone's telling everyone what they're going to do if the refs weren't here. Yakety, 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 schmackety. It's all you guys do. Just flap your lips and no one does nothing. You, all you try, what are you trying to act, be sad? Cause you're mic'd up for the next, uh, you know, NHL video. So you're trying to come up with something clever and savage, bro. Is that what it, yo, I gotta, I gotta be cool on my mic'd up segment. Like, oh, what a bunch. You're a bunch of nerds. You know, and that's the thing. And I mean, I always give it to hockey Twitter and hockey fans. Like, you guys are the biggest bunch of adults. Ah, the players are no better. You're a bunch of nerds. That's all you are. You're a bunch of geeks. All you do is just run your mouth. The only you, look at the look at the league. Who are the only guys with balls? They're all older than thirty, late twenties, thirty year old. They're the old guys of the league. Because they they when they came up in hockey, there was still a little bit of old school that wore off on them, and they learned. You wait in a couple years when these guys are gone. Can you imagine old school's going to be Matthews and Marner and, and all these nerds? Like, oh, yeah. Like, just a you know bunch of zeros. Hey, great players. Obviously, skill level through the roof. Yeah. But you want intensity? Oh, every guy in the scrum, there's someone laughing like it's funny. Uh, so, oh, I forgot to bring that up too. That was the big thing when the Leafs were up 3-1 and there were scrums and there was little gifts all over social media. It's a big scrum in Montreal and Toronto and there's Matthews laughing and all these nerd Leaf fans. Oh, there, there's our future captain. He's so savage. 
Oh, he's awesome. Yeah, nothing gets to him. Oh, yeah. And like I brought up, and somebody, they kept putting the gif up of the gopher, of the Joker. Matthews is the Joker. Oh, yeah, because he doesn't care. He's savage, man. Oh, yeah, future captain material. As I brought up in the one episode. You know what happened at the end of the movie? The Joker lost. Oh, and look what happened. Color me shocked. What did I say the entire time on social media? And I had every leaf nut dangler yelling at me. You don't get it, bro. Okay, boomer. And every other unoriginal bullshit. But there we go. There's hockey Twitter. Everything's fun. Don't be a bully. Well, where did that get you? Who's having fun now? Bet you the golf course is real fun this time of year. That's why I said at the least. Did you ever see Gilmore? Did you ever see Wendell Clark in a scrum laughing in the playoffs? Was anything funny out there? That's all I turn these TVs on. That's all I see are these guys laughing. Everything's funsy. Funsy onesie. What are we doing here? You notice those guys never win? Just saying. Anyway. No, it's just embarrassing. No, I'm not surprised by any. I mean, I know all this goes on. I know I'm just being redundant, but it's like, you're a bunch of nerds. So don't sit and tell me you go, that's the best thing. That's the that's what's hot about hockey, man. It's savage, toughest sport in the world. Do you think these guys are tough? Really? What's tough? As soon as anything happens or there's a scrum or these guys can't hide fast enough. And who was it? The Montreal game was it? Oh, was it Lowry and somebody? Oh, that, oh, the big pile up, and they're holding on. Nothing happens. The refs get their break. Oh, as the refs are skating the ball, oh, now he, he drops his gloves. Oh, okay, killer. Yeah, as the refs are holding you, and the other guy, and you're 25 feet apart, now you drop your gloves. Oh, yeah. Well, you had, you had a minute and a half long scrum to do that. You didn't do it. Like, just stop. You guys, a bunch of posers. That's all it is, is a bunch of posturing. Like, oh my god, just going through the motions. Uh, and these geeks on social media just eat it up. And it's funny when you call them on it, then all of a sudden it's, oh yeah, go watch UFC and you're a boomer and blah, blah, Because they have no original comeback, they have no knowledge to draw from. You know what, and they probably, because they don't know. But like I said last episode, bitch is the new cool, I guess, I don't know. Like, in all sports. It's look at me, you're, you're, oh, you just, oh, look, everyone look at me, and I'm going to do this, and, and then as soon as someone's mean, oh, oh, we're going to cry about it, and I, I said, there's people on social media that actually use the term bully when talking about hockey. You're, a grown man is crying about another man on a hockey rink being a bully. Like, are you not embarrassed? Who says this shit? Or who goes on social media and, and, and tweets at player safety? Like, like, you're a loser. Like, oh my god. But it's just over and over and over again. And you know what? And that's, and that's probably why social media is dead now. Yeah, I mean, for anybody that has any knowledge or is, you know, worthwhile talking to. I mean, oh, it's a haven for an, the 18-year-old hockey nerd that loves this shit. Oh, Twitter's their safe space now. But I said, whatever you want to call our little segment, fight Twitter or whatever. I mean, it's better than 4 o'clock on Twitter right now. 
You put up a fight video or a fight picture, yeah, about eight, nine retweets. Put up a video, eh, maybe a hundred views. There's nothing going on. And I don't know if it's because all these playoff geeks ran everyone off or everyone just quit Twitter. I know a bunch of people that have quit Twitter because they're just tired of it. Like, who wants to read this shit? Like, I don't know if they're taking a break because it's the playoffs or if this is just the new norm on Twitter, which it probably is. Because, I mean, Twitter's just gotten more pathetic by the day, really. I'm not talking like, you know, so, like politics and everything. When it comes to social media in general, it's a lost cause. Because you know, everyone will throw politics into everything now. But yeah, I, I mean, I get, like I, we've talked about on here a million times, social media is a cesspool, without a doubt. It is. And I mean, I guess it's what you make of your experience and how you tailor it. I mean, I guess you could tailor your social media experience. I mean, I wish I'd follow my own advice. My biggest advice I always say is don't scroll. Just post your stuff, get read your notifications, and move on. I mean, that way you won't drive yourself insane. Because as soon as you start scrolling, you just get irritated. I mean, some people get legitimately mad. I mean, I get mad that there's this many stupid people in the world. Not that they... Some guy disagrees with me that this guy's tougher than that guy. I mean, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not, I'm not talking about a debate. Like, an adult debate. Right, Jimmy? You moron. Um, you know, I'm not talking about an actual adult debate. Where I always laugh, though, when you call some of these guys on their shit. And, and they have no response other than... Then they just come up with, like, petty, like, internet replies. Okay, stalker. Whatever, and all that stuff. It's like, stalker. It's a public forum. How can I stalk you when it's in public? You know? Everyone can read it. It's a message board. Don't know who's stalking. How you? How are you stalking someone? But I think you're using that word wrong. You know, stuff like that. So, anyway, follow me on Facebook. <laughs> but if you happen to be on social media, please, could you drop a line? So at least, at least I know there's a few fight people out there. Fourth Line Voice on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, join the Enforcer Appreciation Group. Why, why not? There's a few decent folks in there, a few idiots. We try to weed them out, but, you know, uh, there's always a few that pop up. But uh, for the most part, everyone's cool in there. Um, you know, post up pictures and videos. And um, really, if you're looking, if like, I, I abandoned Facebook, my own personal one, year, like a couple years back. Because I started to question why I'm friends with some of these people. And I got tired of reading my news feed. But, if you join the Enforcer Appreciation Group, I think you'd have a lot of fun. Um, you know, cause obviously it's, it's sticking to hockey and hockey fights. There's no politics or anything going on in there, or if there is, it's not for long. And, uh, and yeah, we just have fun talking fights and stuff. And, um, I'm, I'm talking when, you know, once the, the playoffs are over doing my, my Bob Probert tournament again, but I don't know, I'm really debating putting it on Facebook or on Twitter because Facebook, you get a lot more, um, uh, interaction on Facebook it, it, you know, in terms of hockey fights these days than you do on Twitter. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I need, I need all the platforms just to advertise my show, but there's some days you start questioning why bother. Like, I don't know, just a, it's sort of a, and I, I don't want to say it's a dead platform because it's not. There's, there's a lot of, you know, obviously there's a lot of uh, interaction happening on Twitter, but it, it definitely doesn't seem like the interaction I want to be a part of. I mean, it's run a lot of good people off. That's for sure. But, 
I don't know. I'm babbling now as I'm looking out the window. How about we get on with things? But like I said, if you happen to be on social media, you're on Twitter, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter, Fourth Line Voice on Facebook, as well as YouTube. That's the big one. Um, over 2,500 videos on there. Uh, from junior to pro, I got everything sorted. Whatever league you're looking for, just type it in the search engine. It'll come up. Um, as I said, we're moving right now. or in the midst of moving. If we could sell our damn condo. Ooh, market's slow here. Um, but in the meantime, we had obviously packed everything. Or packed most things because you want to show it, right? So, of course, all my DVDs and everything are packed away and in my parents' basement in a Rubbermaid tub right now. Um, so I don't, I have a few DVDs still around here, but, but not many, but I do have a few I have to still go through. I like to try to upload some, you know, 10, 10 or so fights a week just to keep adding to the page. Some nights I get on a roll and, and I'll add a whole bunch. Um, it's not as quick to add them up, or it's not as quick to upload them on YouTube as it used to be. But, um, yeah, just kind of, you know, give it a follow and, um, yeah, subscribe to the channel and, or hit the notification and, and, that way you won't miss a single punch. But, like as I said, with 2,500 videos, you could definitely get lost down the rabbit hole and definitely check that out. And uh, I, I highly recommend it. But uh, anyway, guys, let's get rolling. Hey, if you... Oh, I, I should probably be doing the ad reads and everything else. I'm terrible at those. I'm sure they're getting added on by Isha and them at the start. But... Um, if you uh, if you guys are into like, seriously if you're into sports betting and fantasy sports and that type of thing and you're on DraftKings use the promo code THPN the Hockey Podcast Network THPN uh, whatever it'll whatever promo is happening with DraftKings just type it in it'll sometimes they'll match your money give you ten percent off whatever the you know there's always di- there's every couple of weeks there's different uh, promos going on and even if uh, most of the time it's for new members new signups but uh, that, that goes for all their offers, guys. So definitely, if you're on DraftKings and you bet regularly, just type in THPN, see what happens. Even if you've uh, been on there for a couple for a while, um, definitely check it out. Uh, there's, there's my gambling plug. But uh, anyway, I've kind of turned this into a kind of a mini rant episode, and that's what that's what Sunday's episodes are for. So I'll shut up and let's. Let's get into talking to Adam, all right? He's a great guest. He actually gives some great answers. You guys will really get a kick out of these stories, I'll tell you. And, uh, yes, here is Adam Huxley's Five Toughest Opponents, and we'll talk to you guys on Sunday. Thanks, everybody. All right, here on the Fourth Line Voice, a returning guest. And we're going to do the uh, five tough, another edition of the Five Toughest Opponents, uh, Adam Huxley. Adam, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing great. Excellent, man. Well, I was gonna. I, well, hey, thanks for coming on. I I forgot to ask you before we got going. Uh, I'm gonna just off the top of your head, just a guess. How many uh, How many fights do you think you were in? Oh, well, if you count training camps and stuff, yeah, you know, it's got to be around the four to five mark. Okay, so uh, and I, and now I have asked you to break down your five toughest opponents. So this is a this well, is you be... know, I mean, there's a, a lot of different tough guys. Like, you know, there's a lot of honorable mentions just because we had so many battles. I mean, it's it's hilarious. Like Mitch Love coaches in uh, Saskatoon. I mean, every time we played each other, we fought each other, and uh, like, you know, I consider him a friend actually, and he's done an amazing job with his career now and everything. Um, you know, like Kyle Hagel, I believe he's the assistant in, in Seattle. And, uh, we've, every single time I ever played that guy, we fought, um, you know, so there's a lot of guys that 
I, I wouldn't consider my toughest fights or anything like that, but definitely uh, big, you know, competitors that, you know, they're never going to back down. And, and uh, you know, as, as far as if they were on my all-time list, they may be there. It's just you ask for the toughest fights. Um, guys that, you know, you got to be very careful with, it, et cetera. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I have lots of battles like that where we fought quite a few times. Uh, no, uh, uh, yeah, absolutely, and uh, yeah, and I've had a, a you know Chris Graff, Mazer, uh, I've had a few guys on to do the returning guests to do this five toughest opponents, and uh, uh, some of them look at it differently. Some of them, you know, do their actual five toughest, some at different stages of their career, and w- and what have you. Uh, but uh, like I said, I kind of worded it, you know, do whatever you want with it. But uh, I mean, hey, we may as well uh, get right into it. Uh, we'll. Uh, Number five on Adam Huxley's top five toughest opponents list. Well, I, again, I'm, I'm going to give an honorable mention to this guy at six okay. because he should be in the top five because he was honestly one of the toughest kids I ever fought. He's a lefty. Cam McCaffrey. Um, yep. The first time I fought him, he looked like he'd knock me out, but he didn't. He swung me off balance. That's how hard that guy throws. Um, and you know what, he didn't go and bang it out in pro for a long time. I believe he just, you know, he was done with it when, yeah, I think he has a family and a business and all that stuff in Calgary, but he was tough as nails. The second time I figured him out, it's not really one for the rights, but holy shit, can he throw a last? So I had to tie his right up. So the second time around did a lot better against him in junior. Um, that would have been my 20 year old year, but he would definitely be one of the guys that you can't let down for a second or else you might just catch one and be night night so um i would say you know he would definitely be he would very worthy of being in my top five but i would say my my number five second here (laughs) you made me do homework so i I would say number five would would probably be cam jansen um i've I've watched him fight a ton Uh, i think i talked about this last show I, I watched him fight a ton, so I had a pretty good strategy going in. But, uh, you know, and mind you, this is near the end of his career as well. But uh, very strong guy, throws heat again, guy that you don't want to be caught, you know, not paying attention or else it could be a rough night for you and your jaw. So, uh, but he, he was really tough, and I actually watched him fight quite often. So, again, I had a pretty good plan going in. That's kind of how I am strategic. But uh, very tough guy. Yeah, and I mean, uh, you know, we talked about this, of course, uh, episode 51, for those listening, for our, when, when Adam was on and we had our full conversation about his entire career. Please check that out if you haven't. But, uh, so I mean, I'm sure we're going to rehash a few things here today, but, uh, like in terms, like you said, you, I mean, Cam Jance is a big NHL guy, you know, I mean, but beyond that, um, were you, were you, uh, like a video guy? Did you watch a lot of stuff on opponents? Oh, Oh, yeah. I mean, I I would dig video up. I'd watch ten fights before I fought a guy. Now I, it's so interesting because I, I, I would ta- go online and and now I mean now it's easier to get it, better quality, all that stuff. But actually, back then, like hockeyfights.com, who actually know the guys that own it, I believe they own the Oilers Nation and a bunch of other stuff now. Yep. Too bad they bought it when fighting kind of went down. But uh, um, hockeyfights.com. Remember that one? Someone in Saskatchewan used to run the fighting major or whatever it was. Yep. I mean, you can find very a lot of videos on there, tons and tons of videos. I think you can still check out fight cards on there, but of everyone. But uh, but yeah, I mean, for surely do your research, and Cam's easy to do research on because 
he's in the NHL, so you can find those clips very easily, right? The minor league guys or the junior guys that you got to watch out for, right? Yeah, it's interesting. Like, as I've had different guests on, um, you know, some were video guys. Well, some were, like, obviously before YouTube and everything, so there really wasn't anything you could do. But the guys that were in that that time frame, like yourself, that were YouTube and drop your gloves and all that stuff was around. Um, it's interesting how some of them were, like, huge video guys like yourself. And other guys like, uh, like Brookbank and stuff, when I talked to him, it was almost like, yeah, they'd watch sometimes, but I don't know. Sometimes, did you ever feel like you psyched yourself out sometimes? Oh, no. I, I need to be a prepared guy. So um, the only thing that I had is I didn't like waiting for it. If you watch the majority of my fights, um, they'll be in the first period. Um, yeah. Unless it's a tactical thing where, you know, I fought the guy lots. I know exactly how he is. And, uh, and you know, again, I was a momentum fighter, like, I'm not doing it for myself. I was always doing it for the team. Like we needed a spark. We're down to nothing. I need to defend someone. Things weren't going great. We needed, uh, you know, some momentum change. Like that's when I fight. I don't selfishly go and fight, especially near the end of my career. Maybe my first years, I would just go fight to be, cause I thought, to be honest at the time, I thought that's what you wanted, wanted to do to make it in hockey. But when you're my size, I, you know, they don't care about that. You got to be able to play as well. And I didn't really realize all that, and I, I could play, but I just, again, I thought, like, oh, they want to see me fight 30 times when that wasn't the case, right? Um, obviously, it was kind of a changing the guard throughout my career. So, yeah, that might get you the American or something, but if you want to play in the NHL, you know, you either got to be six five and an absolute mutant, or you have to be uh, able to play on a fourth line, kill penalties, stuff like that, right? So, um, but, yeah, at the start of my career, maybe I would uh, – you know, fight the fight kind of thing, but definitely near near the end, uh, I, you know, I was all about, you know, do we need this? And uh, you can find enough, there's enough times, but then, you know, it's funny, you watch these playoffs and like, you know, I, I remember the Mem Cup a couple of years ago, uh, Regina was playing Red Deer and, and they were beating Red Deer and it was to see who had first place going into the seating when, when Regina was hosting and Red Deer won that year. And that Lynch kid, uh, went out there down to nothing. He went out and fought Garth Murray off the draw, and then Redger came back steamrolling and and won the game, and then ended up getting or whatever. So they got a better standing. They didn't play in that that uh, tiebreaker game or whatever. You know, it, I mean, it's just funny watching the playoffs now. Like guys don't understand the boost they get when when a guy will go and do that. Like you know, you look at the Oilers for example, like. You know, they needed some of that. Like, honestly, like, and you can't be expecting Nurse and guys like that to do it because they're playing 30 minutes. But, like, you know, some of these other guys needed to step up and, 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 you know, Forbert, he, he can, he was all over McDavid all series long. Okay. In his grill, like some of their D. Why is someone not challenging the guy? Not, hey, don't do that. Like, why are you not going out and fighting the guy? Saying, hey, every time you touch McDavid, I'm going to fight you. You know, then all of a sudden he's not so worried about McDavid. He's worried about his health, right? So, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's just, it's crazy now how guys don't understand that. And it's just watching these playoffs. The momentum swings could be way better, way different, right? So in my eyes, I I feel like, you know, you watch that Oilers series, there definitely had to be more more of that. 
No, ab- absolutely. Well, and it's interesting when you go back to, uh, to go back to your point about just w- when you fight and all that stuff. Uh, we don't, you know, we don't need names, but I just throw it out there. Did you ever have a coach send you out and tell you to fight? Um, not a whole lot, because I didn't need to be told, and anyone who coached me knows that. So, yeah. um, I'm I was more than willing to do it um, when I had to for the team. Um, and they didn't need to. If anything, they needed to tell me not to. And to, you know, I, I was in Vegas, and Ryan Muginell would come in the room. And he goes, "Is anyone on this effing team gonna step up except for Huxley?" Like kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, like, well, because I, you know, and he's like, he can't be the only one doing this. Like, blah blah blah. And so, you know, uh, that being said, yeah, the odd time, it's like, you know, I tell a story about i don't know if i told you about that bucky story last time but we were in springfield and, and bucky sent me tj reynolds bunch of guys that fight whatever um that lassard was on the other team and him and he he pre-jumped randy like three times that game it was crazy anyway um that guy's tough tough guy too lassard he he's one of those guys that's squirrely um but uh he, he told us he goes don't come back to the bench <laughs> it was like two minutes left. So don't come back to the bench. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I can imagine what happened after that. Right? Yeah, I but, could, yeah. But yeah, I mean, Bucky was not afraid to flip the switch for sure. Um, whatever. But I guess you can't really do any of that stuff now. That was an exhibition game, by the way. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, uh, yeah, no, I haven't really had to have a lot of coaches tell me. I, I mean, I have around, you know, it's pretty easy when they convenient you line you up against someone or whatever right yeah. i mean you know what's up but i didn't need to be told if anything i like would say hey you're taking this next shift off and i would just go like all of a sudden be on the top line right so i, I wasn't dumb that way put it that way so now on the on the flip side of that um when it's in in your mind uh, a pointless exercise at that point and you got? Did you ever get told to like, okay, go out and do something? And you're like, no, I'm not doing it. No, no. You know what? I I knew when it was time and when it wasn't time. Not very often did I do it, and I didn't. I didn't have any guilt because they knew that when it mattered, I would be there. Right. So, yep. um, not really. Um, you know, there's sometimes I regret maybe being a bit of a meat at the end of a game or something, right? But uh, at the end of the day, dude, I mean, it's. You know, you, you got. Uh, I mean, you can't just do that stuff either. Like, there's there is a code, right? Obviously, to some extent. And yeah, some days, if it's a freaking heated game, yeah, I'm more than happy to do it. But I mean, what what's the point of going out and doing that in the graveyard shift? You know what I'm saying? So. Yep. Yeah, that, like that. That's kind of what I was getting at. You know, it's sort of pointless, and then, but for some reason, this coach has a hard on to do it. You know, or to yeah. have someone do something. Because I've had a few guys yeah, on, and they're like, they just had coaches where they would do that. I thrown out in that situation, and I wouldn't get called out if I didn't, because they knew that I'm more than willing to do it when it matters. So yeah, I wasn't particularly set up for that, if you you know what I'm saying. So Yep, yep. Um, no, the, the worst thing is, on the flip side of everything, is the coach that that you do everything for and is a analytics guy or whatever, and they're like, you know, you know, for example, like, you know, your team's getting ran out of the building and, but they're like, Hux has to play four and a half minutes a period. Can't play a second more. 
you know, because my analytics tell me that over time this other guy is going to score a goal. Well, if your kids are, if your guys are, some of your guys are being chicken shits, like how are you not making the adjustment to get those guys more ice that are going to do and play this kind of game or whatever, right? Um, and, and aren't afraid to go in the corner, so to speak, or, or get dirty or whatever. Um, and and the guys that you know you did this for nonstop, like this Hardy Sauter and in uh, Boise, like honestly, pretty much helped them beat Vegas. We were the last place playing the first place team the year before. Um, pretty much helped them in playoffs, beat them, fought all year for the guy. You know, I got called up to Chicago. I fought like ten games in a row, and then finally I went back up to Chicago for the rest of the year. But then I got, you know, Chicago wasn't really gonna make the playoffs, so I we had like five or six games left. So I kind of asked to go down and I go down freaking have an unreal playoff for this guy run big of the rink, me and a couple guys. And cause they're, you know, they were a highly skilled team. And then the next year, uh, the guy, guy doesn't even put me on the 30 day. He releases me because I have my own apartment or something like that. Like ungrateful pieces of garbage, like that guy, like whatever. I mean, after all you do for someone like that, you know, it, it is what it is. Like, so, yeah, guys that, you know, the worst part about that whole thing is you give everything to that coach. And, and you know, that's an important part, whether you think so or not. Ask any any skilled player that I've played with. They know, like, they know that no one, they have a lot less of a chance of someone screwing around with them, right, when yep. they know there's a guy on the other side that's not afraid, that it doesn't matter who you are. Like, that's the thing with my size. Like, I can catch you, you know, not some big dummy that's not going to catch you, right? And so, uh, you know, that's willing to stand up for you and whatever. Those guys respect that a lot. Like, you know, I'm walking out of the room after he told me I was released. And guys are like, I'm, what, how was your meeting, Hux? Is it a joke? And I'm like, well, I got, yeah, I got released. And they're like, what? No way, you're freaking joking. You know, and they're like ready to go in and talk to him about it. You know, these are like good players, right? So, and, uh, you know, that, that's, to me... The, what people need to do is they need to respect these people more for what they do for their team. And, you know, and that's the thing is you're a piece of meat and you go and you fight for all these guys and whatever. And, and where, where are some of them when you need them, uh, you know, to get another job or to, you know, help, help you out in your career. They're nowhere to be found. And yet you played a big part, whether they think so or not in, in, in uh, helping them advance. Right. No, absolutely. So, like, I'll tell you a story. So, the one year I was in Vegas, my first year pro, and I fought for Gully nonstop. And to be honest, I did some, sometimes it was kind of stupid. And that's when I was in the mode of, like, hey, I'm going to fight 30 times a year, right, kind of thing. And and whatever, I did everything. But everything Gully asked me to do, I, I did it, and I played a big part, whatever. Um, we kind of underachieved, not because of me. We had some older guys that probably, you know, were good, but we just couldn't get her together kind of thing um anyway the next year you know gully i was with calgary at that time and then calgary moved on from it or whatever so i was sitting there and i was like i had nowhere to play and i i begged gully like can i come back or whatever and uh gully goes you know what after everything you did for me last year i'll give you a shot and he was respectful like he put me on the 30 day he wasn't just going to release me because it ended up being a numbers thing so he waited till he could trade me and all that kind of stuff and so you got to respect that. Like, yep. you know, the guy didn't just go through it. He could have just said, hot, you're done. Right. But yep. he, he knew what I did for him and what I did for the team the year before. So he respected me enough to make sure that I had somewhere to play, you know? 
and whatever. So, um, like, that's a different side. And then you get other guys, you know, like Hardy Star, for example, I don't mean to call guys out, but who just don't get it. They have no effing clue whatsoever about the hockey gods or how to treat people that have, you know, provided this service for you as a coach or anything like that. Um, been an integral part, whatever. It's just, it's that's the shitty part of the business. Great game, shitty business. <laughs> exactly. So, yep. But you know as well as I do, that guy's not coaching anywhere now for a reason because he's not a good person. So yep. um, <laughs> there you go. And then the good people, where's Gully? He's freaking running McDavid on the power play. So, yep. I mean, it's a big difference, right? Derek Laxall, great guy. Where's he? He's coaching in the NHL. I mean, the good things happen to people that are good people. Right. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, when you continue, yeah, like you said, it's like anything in life, right? Yeah. It it all comes around, and uh, eventually people see it, and uh, you are treated accordingly. You know, for yeah. sure. But uh, yeah, where where are we here? Oh, number four. So you had Cam Jansons. All right, number four. Number four. Um, I will go with uh, Ryan Flynn. There you go. With F L I I or F-L-I-N-N, the tough one. <laughs> yep. That guy is monster. So tough. Um, again, I've watched a lot of his fights. Kind of knew, and, you know, kind of knew he couldn't throw right um, or left. So I tied up his right really good. Got inside because obviously he's like four inches taller, five inches taller than me. And I went to work a little bit. And, you know, actually it's funny. We fought twice. Once at Oiler Camp and then once when I was with Chicago and and uh sorry with uh rockford and he was with uh and you know we were both with rockford in the game um and uh yeah so we fought there and fought fought uh at oiler camp and we fought at a rockford camp ended up being pretty good buddies actually um super good dude tough as nails he catches you to the right like he's a mean guy mean looking guy big ball dude absolute killer right great human being great guy um yeah, no, he uh, he would definitely be in my top five. Um, but it, he would tell you that uh, I was a very strategic fighter, obviously, right? I, I scouted it out. Uh, it's funny, I was at Oiler Camp that year, and very first shift of Oiler Camp for main camp, I'd fought like five times up in the Yukon. Um, like, I fought Theo Peckham and a bunch of guys like that, like kids, but basically kids at that time. Um, and uh, I went to Oiler Camp very first shift, I went right after him, and he's like, oh, what is the kid doing? Oh, sure, let's go. So we fought, and I think he was very surprised. I don't think he really knew who I was the first time. So it was uh, whatever, so I tied him up good. Um, and then one of, the, one of the scouts came to me after. He goes, dude, he goes, I can't even get a coffee when you're on the ice, man. He's like, <laughs> you know, he's like, I never know what you're going to do kind of thing. So it's kind of uh, kind of an interesting comment. But anyway. Um, but yeah, no, Flinner is a killer. A lot of respect for him. He was unreal to me, you know, in Rockford and stuff as well. And, you know, I, I obviously you don't keep track in touch with all everyone you play with, but have a hell of a lot of respect for that guy and what he did in his career. Uh, yeah, he's a bad dude, man. I think he's a, I think he's a firefighter in San Antonio now, I think. Oh, probably. Yeah. He's a machine though. He was a big, big rig rig, but yeah, no, you know, he was near the end again for him, right? Like, you know, not like completely end. I mean, late twenties or whatever. But yeah, I mean, he uh, he was a great uh, scary guy. But he was in the hey, he was in the arms race days, right? Like, yep. you know, 
you look down their roster, you're like, oh, shit, you know, kind of thing, where everyone had to have their nuclear weapon, like the Brookbanks and all those guys of the world. Yep. And, uh, but, yeah, he was definitely one of those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we got Jansen's and Flint, so we got uh, number three. Number three would be uh, DJ King. There you go. Me and DJ had some battles. And Junior, again, I'm super methodical, and I can tie guys up, and I get inside. I do, like, dirty boxing kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I fought DJ, obviously had to fight him. But when he was in Junior, like, he was tough, but he wasn't, like, I'm going to knock you out tough. Like, some of these guys weren't men yet, right? But uh, DJ was super strong and stuff still. But I'll tell you what, he can take a freaking punch, man. Yeah, like, I mean, I hit him quite a few times in our fight, and vice versa, like, he's a tough kid. I just, I'm, like I said, when you're playing a guy like that, you have to, and you're my size to his size, you got to be pretty aware of what, how, how you're fighting, right, obviously. And he throws smoke, and, and that's, you know, those guys that throw bombs play it kind of into my hands because I try to get inside on them, right, and I throw those short punches, and, uh, but DJ, like, yeah, frick, you could hit him with a sledgehammer. That guy ain't going anywhere. Um, and then, and then, uh, it's, it's actually a hilarious story. I think I might have told this in the last one too, but I went to, uh, camp with Lowell and, uh, and him and Robin Gomez are on the line, who I also fought quite often. Um, and it was a tough dude. And, uh, I, I off the drive, go, here, let's go. And Kinger's like, yeah, sure. And, and, uh, Gomez thought I was talking to him too. So two guys were trying to square off on me with me off the draw. And I was like, no, Kinger. So then Gomer stopped, stepped aside. So we threw her gear down and I tripped over my stick while we were squaring off. So then DJ's like, Hawks, get up. Like, let me get up. And then we fought, but like, it was like an okay fight or whatever. It wasn't like, you know, I mean, it's actually, it should have been way better than it was. But it was just so funny because he's like, Hawks, get up. He kind of like gave me the gesture of his ad. And I'm like, oh my God, how embarrassing. And that's kind of all I could think all his fight long. It was like, how embarrassing is that? But anyway, yeah, so that would be number three. What a, what a killer. And then obviously, you know, when he finally made it to the NHL, I mean, he's pretty sure he knocked out Goddard, uh, hurt him actually. And that is a pretty substantial win on his part because that guy is an absolute killer yeah it's interesting with dj king i can't remember who i was i had this conversation with someone recently but it was just like they're just kind of talking about the underrated thing right and it's like yeah he he sort of at that time period it's not a disrespect to him but it's sort of like he he sort of gets lost in that kind of the sands of time right with because he wasn't really around that long in the nhl and it was like at that time he had so many guys Right, but he was like yeah. killer. No, and you know what? He 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 was just one of those guys. All he needed is one. And, yep. Right, like one punch, and you're having a nap. Like I mean, I again, when you crumple Eric Goddard, I mean, exactly. you're pretty damn tough. Yep. <laughs> Put it that way. Yep. That guy's a killer. So, um, yeah, no DJ throw smoke, and and again, we had some good battle. Um, I guess on to the next one. And number two, yep. Number two would definitely be Yabo. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I only fought Yabo once, but it was more like, you know, I, I, again, I told this story on your last one. I mean, my shoulder was banged up my right arm, and he goes, let's go left. 
And he literally did until, until I started piecing him a little bit, like kind of figured out some timing. And then all of a sudden he's like, no, we're going rights now. And then I can dodge an absolute bomb, to be honest with you. But I, I, I also gave him way too much respect in the sense of like a couple times I could have thrown an uppercut or whatever, which normally I would have. But I was a little bit more on the cautious side just because I, I knew why my left arm was bugging me and that's how I grabbed, right? So I was going to be in an aggressive fight with him where I don't think that's where you really want to be with him because he's got some nasty boxing. Um, absolutely jacked. But, yeah, just an unbelievable guy on and off the ice. Uh, one of the true guys, you know. I mean, everyone's probably told you that. Um, but, like, his short punches and, and, like, his the way he fights is amazing. Um, he, uh, you know, in the box, he's like, great job, Hawks. Thanks a lot. You know, like kind of thing, and um, just just a consummate professional, really. That guy is, but like an absolute beast. I'm pretty sure he's a freaking Navy SEAL or something right now. That's what I understand from what I understand, because he had to get off Facebook and everything. Like I think he's like Black Ops or something. I don't know. He uh, he's he's an insane athlete, and like uh, again, like I said, you know, just the way the fight happened and stuff, it, it was crazy. And you know what I like I said I I prove to myself I could do decent against him because always kind of wanted to fight him uh, as far as that goes but it just was the wrong timing but just hilarious that he actually held his word until like I said I beast him up a couple times and then it was like whatever but again I held up on that fight I was a little bit more defensive so uh, you know uh, there's uh, I, would I like to take those moments back and just be reactive a little bit more absolutely but at the end of the day it's Yabo yeah, well, he's a freaking Hall of Famer when it comes to fighting, I mean, the guy's guy's first class hall of fame, you know, yep. he's put his time in, he's had a lot of battles. And I mean, at the end of the day, like that's guys, a specimen, unbelievable human being, etc. So killer. There you go. This is a hell of a list, but, uh, well, here we go. Number one of Adam Huxley's you know top five is? toughest opponents. I had some freaking battles with him, And I'll tell you what, one of the most undercover killers in known to man Derek England. There you go. What, uh, I'll tell you what, you know, <laughs> I fought him my first year in the league. And, you know, I had to hold on to that guy's right arm because he doesn't really throw lefts. And to this day, I think my arm hurts still from holding on to him. That guy is an absolute strength. Like, and I don't even think he trained that hard in the summers at that time. And, and like, holy shit, his natural strength is outrageous. And I'll tell you another thing, like, I mean, you watch his fights, I mean, he crumpled some guys. If he hits you, like, I'm pretty sure Colt Moore is still probably has post-concussion from a couple times, Ego knocked him out. And hey, Colt Moore is an absolute killer, so I'm not disrespecting him in any way whatsoever, because, you know what, at the end of the day, that's a scary dude. Like, he's a guy you don't want to fight, because he can't hurt you especially if you're like me because he's got some te technical side to him. But, like, uh, Ego pieced him up pretty good. Like, he's knocked him out twice. and uh, Or he did, anyway. And I'll tell you what, like, that's not easy to do. So um, the only guy I've seen beat Ego in a fight is Darren McLaughlin. And that guy was an absolute killer. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Like, he had a very short live. He had a lot of off-ice issues, I'm pretty sure. Um, he could have been a hell of a player, honestly. I'm shocked he didn't play for 10 years. But uh, 
but like I have not seen Ego lose very often. He'll fight anyone. Great guy. Huge turnaround story as far as uh, as far as his career goes. I mean, he went from you know being in the East Coast League and stuff to end up playing in the NHL for ten years, being good buddies with Sid because he you know stood up for him, etc. Like, I mean, the the start of Vegas was you know he was a big part of that and uh, all that stuff. I mean, just his whole aura around him is you know it's great and and you know what he's an, an unreal human being and. Again, back to the thing, people, uh, good things happen to good people, and I believe Ego's a great guy, and that's why he was able to be so successful. But I, as far as tough goes, undercover, one of the toughest, strongest guys you'll ever fight. Uh, and again, like, you're on complete defense mode. I mean, you're not freaking, he's also very good at tying you up, but you're not going toe-to-toe with Ego because you're not going to stay away, uh, standing. Yeah, like you said, big dude, did it for a long time. Um yeah, you know, it's <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Uh, well, like you said, yeah, good. Uh, I think he's like the Golden Knights. Like, what is he? Uh, hockey ambassador or hockey something? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, good people, and they they want to keep those guys in the game, right? And um, yeah, yeah, like you said, it all comes full circle. But uh, well, no, was, um, and, and an honorable mention, this guy is a hundred percent in the top five. I mean, I just have so many. Grant McNeil. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, again, another guy, like, just, you know, I, I, I think Sean Thornton kind of softened him up. I think he broke his jaw. And I think ever since then, and then Josh Gratton hit him in the exact same spot, like, two weeks later. You know, guys used to play through this shit, right? Yeah. And uh, I think that that really hindered the rest of his career as far as fighting goes. But, man, he could, I mean, he put Boogie to sleep. He's, uh... He has quite a few knockouts on his thing, but yeah, I mean, once you take one of those punches, man, and it, and it you know, and basically softens your brain, your upper top, your head up. I mean, you just if you're going to go and fight the big boys like that, it's just not going to work out as well as it used to, right? But yeah, Grant, I mean, in junior, by far the most feared guy in the league, yeah, hundred percent, throws those heat from his ass like he throws from his ass as hard as he can and again if he hits you but you know like that stuff plays into how i fight i mean i'm not if i take one of those i don't know am i standing or not i don't know but uh, you know if you're gonna throw 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 and i can get through that first 15 20 seconds of that fight i'm gonna eat you because you're gonna be tired or you know your 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 big misses are gonna be easily to capitalize on but as far as that goes, like, nothing but unbelievable things. He would definitely be in the top five. I was just kind of going through. I mean, there's so many to count, right? Yeah. Was there anybody as in a fight? As far as the guy that can eat punches and never stop, you know, you know, never give up. And, and like, like Derek Parker, freaking Tristan Grant. I mean, there's so many guys that are so tough in different ways, right? Yeah. I'm just going by guys like, this guy can hit you. You're going down. Night, night. Was there was there anybody that you fought that um, that you were surprised by their power? Like when he hit you, it was like, oh shit, I wasn't expecting that. You know, I I don't even know this kid's name, but I'll tell you a story. I went to this when I was like fifteen. I went down to uh, to uh, some place in, in, in Montana Junior A League, and I just randomly just I fought a big dude, right? And then I I, I did well, right? And then this little guy was just chirping me, right? 
So I'm like, let's go, you little bitch. So I started teeing off on him, and he popped me with a left in the eye. I think I still have a black eye. I don't <laughs> know the kid's name, but, like, yeah, you definitely get the guys that surprise you, right, for sure. There's some guys you're, like, afterwards, you're like, hey, man, you got my respect, right? I used to bully you on the ice, and you know what? I'll back off a little. Good job kind of thing, right? So There you go. That will shockingly just fight you out of the randomly. You're like, I didn't never thought this guy was going to fight me. So... <laughs> yeah, I know. There's definitely guys like that, right? Yeah. Well, th- well, there so, we go. That that was a hell of a top five, man. That was, uh, yeah. And, oh, and like you said, after that many fights, <laughs> I mean, we could be here all night talking about everybody. Yeah, I honestly wouldn't even remember, man. We'd have to go and get my whole entire card and put it up, down in front of me. <laughs> like, I didn't fight him, but it was funny, you know, David Kazoka. I forgot to tell you the story. It was my third game in the league in, in Vegas or fourth. Peoria came, and you know Smurf, right? Uh, yep. Jason, Jason Christie Christy coaches yeah. them, so you can imagine what their teams are coached like because Christie loved to play that way. Um, and uh, anyway, David Kazoka and me were getting into it by the bench, and I was on the bench, and we were chirping, and then all of a sudden starts swinging on Regan Darby. So Darby pulls him into our bench, right? And me and England and Darby are basically like curb stomping this guy in the bench. Right, he gets out of there. He's all bloodied up. Crap! They give him five minute penalty for jumping in the bench, and we were on the power play. It was the funniest shit I've ever seen in my life. But anyway, that that's another guy that fought a ton. Yeah, he did. Yeah, but but yeah. Anyway, I will. Uh, like I said, I we could sit here and talk all day about that stuff. But um, but yeah, no, I appreciate you having on me on the show, and uh, I, again. Think of another thing to get us on, and I'll be back. I, I, it's an easy talk, uh, stuff I love talking about. Um, so, yeah, for sure. Excellent. Well, yeah, thank you very much for coming on. And, uh, well, before you go, what uh, for those people listening, uh, what is Adam Huxley doing today? What, what are you doing these days? Um, I own a uh, business in, in, in Wainwright, Alberta, which is just by Lloyd, uh, like kind of east of Edmonton. And uh, I have, like, 90 clients, and we train kids off the ice in the gym in the summer. I rent a curling rink, turf the whole thing, got a world-class training center. Um, I think we got 20, 30 junior pro college guys, so for a town of 5,000, not bad. Um, And uh, we have guys coming in from all over the place. And then I work, (laughs) everyone always laughs. I mean, uh, I also am a level four pro prep instructor um, for Power Edge Pro, which is completely opposite of what we're talking about right now. <laughs> amazing, uh, amazing uh, thing. You know, uh, basically how I got into it is like, what was I doing when I was training? Going and like, you know, what was I thinking? Like, I needed to be doing this stuff. Um, Joe Quinn, amazing hockey mind, and totally the new game, moving pucks to space, all that stuff. Anyway, I got to watch quite a bit of a lot of hockey along my way so i've taken all that and now now i do a lot of skills and uh everywhere i go uh i think i told this on the last thing you know i walk into a building and i get the kelly mccrimmons and the guys like that are always like as if hawks is coming to teach my guys uh skills i'm gonna go grab some popcorn type thing and watch this this is gonna be awesome and then afterwards i uh i always get the holy crap hawks good for you and uh you shock the hell out of me type thing um you know, I just, again, you know, that's why so many guys in our role or roles like ours that end up being good coaches in the NHL or skills guys or whatever, because we had to pay attention to detail and we had to do everything twice as hard 
and work twice as much at it. So, you know, uh, that's why we end up doing it where guys that get it a little more naturally just sometimes um, they just come to the ring, do their job, and it's just natural to them, and they make the big bucks. And then when they're done, they don't really want to eat, a want to get into it, or b they didn't they didn't really pay attention along the way, and and they know how to do it, they don't know how to teach it. Teaching's a whole other story, right? So yeah, exactly. Well, you see, yeah, it's either something you can do or can't do, right? And I mean, some guys yeah. just don't have the, either the patience for it, or they just don't know how to explain it, right? Because it's always yeah. just it came to them easily. So for them to explain it to someone, they don't know how. So yeah, well, exactly, and that's exactly what what we go through daily in this business. So excellent, <laughs> uh, but yeah, hey, anything else you need, let me know. No, I I appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Talk to you later. Bye. Take it easy. Bye. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 